Welcome to this podcast brought to you by St. Benedict's Table. Today we are sharing quite a special conversation between Father Jamie Howison, the priest of 20 years and founder of St. Benedict's Table, and Jennifer Weens, a parishioner here since just before the pandemic started. Today's conversation twists and turns telling the story of Jamie's call to the priesthood, his time of ministry before St. Ben's, some of the story of St. Ben's founding and growth, and a few hints about his plans after he's retired. How many books will it be? We really do hope you enjoy this one. It's a lot of fun. Hi, Jamie. It's really great to get together with you and talk about your calling as a priest and your journey. Happy to do it. Can you tell me how you felt called to become an Anglican priest? Well, there is a bit of a story, as there often is. Um, I had no inclinations of ministry. I was I had become become a, a member of the Anglican Church at All Saints Church, where St. Ben's has now lived for close to 20 years, and was really felt uh, a lovely home here. But in my mind, I was headed towards work with troubled kids, which I'd been doing over the course of my university degree already, working in different contexts, in a neighborhood context, and at Marymount, and for a probation unit, and I loved it. And that um, was ministry. No, 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 no. And one day, I was out with one of the kids that I'd been working with, mm-hmm. and uh, we used what um, the senior probation officer called Big Mac therapy on him. <laughs> if he went to school all week, Friday, we would go out and he, I would get him a Big Mac. And sometimes we'd go and play pool as well, and I would consistently get beaten by the 15-year-old. Anyway, I'm driving him back. He was living in a group home. It was a snowy, snowy day. And so it's one of those days where driving is slow and uh, and stopped in front of his group home and he opened the door and he jumped out. And then he turned around and he looked back in the car and he said, what are you doing tonight? And I was actually going to the ordination of a friend who had studied uh, theology at St. John's College and was being ordained at the college for the Diocese of Kiwaitan, so Northwestern Ontario. Mm. So I said, well, I'm going to a church service where a friend of mine is becoming a minister. And he said, oh. And then he looked at me, he said, that's what you're going to do. Slams a car door and goes running off to the group home. And I kind of went, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going to spend my career working with the likes of you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Pretty much dismissed it. And then over the course of the next several months, time and again, somebody would say to me, have you ever considered the ministry? There was a lovely old lady here at All Saints, and she came up and grasped my hands. And Have you ever considered the ministry, dear? And the guy that I was at school with uh, at the University of Winnipeg, we were just having coffee between classes, and I was talking about the work I was doing. And But he also knew I was a church guy, and he said, well, why wouldn't you do that as a priest? And I'm just like, no, no, no. And it happened again and again and again and again. It was so strange. And I got to 10 of these over the course of from December till June. Mm. And so I'm, I'm paying attention and I'm keeping count. But I'm still like, no. Because I was happy working with kids. And, and I liked the degree I was doing. And I was headed for a clinical psychology degree, I thought. Oh, 
And then I was off to see, I got a call from the Roman Catholic priest who was at the youth center, the Manitoba Youth Center, so the detention place mm-hmm. for, uh, for adolescents. And he called and he said, you know, Jamie, could you come down? I have some ideas for some program changes I want to make. And I have a few volunteers who come from another church organization. I'd just like to talk to you about it. Absolutely. Love that guy. So I went and I sat with Father Bernie. We're just talking about the possibilities and the prospect. And just out of nowhere, he said, Jamie, have you ever had the experience of, say, 10 different people all bringing you the same message? It's something you might not even want to hear, but 10 people, same kind of idea being raised by them. And I kind of went, uh, yeah. And he said, I believe that's one of the ways in which God speaks to us in our day. And then we were right back to talking about this program that he was starting at the youth center. I'm just like, what is happening here? So when we were finished, I'm walking back to my car and I'm thinking, I, I have to phone my, my parish priest here at All Saints, a guy named Jim Setter, who'd been very, very influential for me. I got home, no cell phones in the early 80s. <laughs> I got home and I called him and he was at the church and I just said, Jim, I think I have to come and talk to you about ordained ministry. And he said, I wondered when you were going to call. Let's set a time. And I was in like the next day, I think. And the week later, I was seeing the bishop. And it was just like, holy smokes. And the bishop's meanwhile telling me where I could go to school. Toronto, please. (laughs) And on it went. But the most fascinating thing was, after I made that acknowledgement, there was nobody else said to me, have you ever thought of ministry... Have you ever considered priesthood? Why don't you? None stopped dead. And it was a few years later when I was at Trinity in the Divinity School. And uh, we were sitting around and people were actually talking about their call stories. And I retold this one. And there was a, a, uh, a doctoral student sitting at the table. He was already a priest. He was doing a doctorate in history. Lovely guy. And he said, he looked at me and he said, treasure that experience of those 10 voices because you may never get anything quite so clear again Mm. treasure it and he was right i mean i've had other pretty significant moments but nothing like that that's pretty incredible i've never heard anything like that either and i mean robert's advice to just treasure it was so right Mm. And that you might never have something like that again. Not with so that. So clear. Yeah. Not with that crystal clarity. <laughs> so after you you're, you studied at Trinity yep. in Toronto, and were you ordained here? So when I was in Toronto, it was for three years, and uh, the, the bishop of the diocese, Walter Jones, would come to Toronto at least once a year for House of Bishops meetings or whatever. And he would always, always look up. There was three candidates from from this part of the world, and he would always look us up, and he would take us for a meal. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, very warm man, very good with students. Probably it was one of his great strengths. Mm-hmm. I have a very vivid memory. It was after my first daughter was born, uh, Jessica, and he came over. She would have been about six months old, and he sat on the living room floor and played with this <laughs> this little one 
<laughs> it was just lovely. Oh. And, and very much unlike what students from other dioceses might experience, right. where they didn't see their bishop like that. Like as a human being, yeah. kind of. Yeah. But then I came back. Uh, I'd been interviewed while I was there for a job as the, uh, the assistant priest at St. Paul's Church in Fort Garry. Right. And I was given that job, so I came back. So I was ordained in May of, mm -hmm. or came back in May of 1987, started June 1st at the church. Wow. And uh, was ordained as a deacon on June 24th, the feast day of St. John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. And then a year later was priested. Oh. And, and I worked there uh, for two years, learning, 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 learning. Right. Yeah, I think you mentioned that a little bit to me before mm -hmm. about you were just on the ground running kind of. Yep. Uh, you want to tell me a little bit about the summer? Well, that summer. <laughs> so uh, what I would say is um, the, 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 the parish priest at St. Paul's Fort Gary, David Pate, was, he, was, he was a superb supervisor. We would, every morning we'd have coffee and he would tell me stories. Hmm. And I learned so much about the diocese, funny stories and, and, <laughs> and challenging stories and difficult stories. But he was re he, very much a, a keeper of diocesan knowledge. And uh, and he also gave me enough rope that I could hang myself. <laughs> but right before I went over the edge of the cliff, he'd sort of pull it and say, "Ah, Jamie, um, come here. We should talk about that." <laughs> so it was it was trust, learning on the ground, right? But that sort of safety valve built right. in. Anyway, so I'm there, June, ordained at the end of June. July, and then August comes, and he goes away for holidays. At that time, they always took the month of August away. Okay. And in fact, went out to, to a cottage at Falcon Lake where he had no phone. So very much out of touch. Mm. And just sort of good luck, and I hope everything goes well. You know, we did a funeral together, so if there's, it happens to be a funeral, well, I'm, I'm away. You know, you know what to do. Because we had done, hmm. well, August hit. And my memory says there was 10. <laughs> but looking back at the, uh, the vestry book at, at St. Paul's, there was four, plus another funeral that I did for a family friend, um, a woman I'd grown up next door to. So it wasn't in the St. Paul's vestry right, book. But right. five funerals in two months ordained. It was like, yeah. <laughs> but you would have had a few senior people in the church that you could, um, if you needed support or there was, during that time. I mean. Yes. The the church organist was was superb person to, oh, to wow. work with and lean on. Hmm. Um, there was other... There was a, a very good friend of mine as a priest of this diocese, now long retired, but I would lean on him for support. So, there, yeah, there was people around. Right. Okay. And how long were you there for? You said two years. Two years, just right. a little over two years. Right. And every time David went away, mm -hmm. people would die and I'd do funerals. <laughs> It happened the following. Seriously? Yep, it happened the following August. There was an unusually high number, and oh then he, he went on a. He and his wife went away on a, a study leave mm -hmm. for six weeks, and uh, it happened again. It was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's going to think I'm killing off his parishioners. <laughs> oh boy! Well, you know, you're very, um, you're good at funerals now. I, you have to learn. 
And so after you were done there, what was your next step? So, well, prior to, to studying divinity in Toronto, I had worked for a couple of years at Marymount, which is a, right. a, a treatment center for adolescent girls. I had loved that work. Mm. I just loved those kids. And, uh, but I knew that I really needed to move into this ordained role. Right. And we had um, a little group of people in their mostly 20s and early 30s at St. Paul's. And we had a weekly study group together and social group and stuff. And I invited the uh, treatment director from Marymount to come and speak to our group one evening and just talk about what they do and the vision of the sisters for for a holistic approach to treatment. And, you know, I just sort of thought this would be a really good thing. And then we were all going to go to Marymount and, and lead a chapel or two. So at the end of, of his talk, um, I'm just walking him out of the building to go to his car. And we're still in the building. And I said, you know, Frank, I have thought several times over the past couple of years, if there was ever an opportunity to go back to Marymount in that pastoral care role, I would, I would look at that so seriously. And he turned white and he said, is there somewhere we can talk? And we went into this little room in the lower hall in the, in the church. And he said, you're not going to believe this, but that position just opened up. Wow. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. The person who's been doing it for a couple of years is now ready to move on, and it's just opened up. Can I tell Sister Monica you'd be interested? I said, yeah. <laughs> so another one of those kind of crazy right, coincidences. Right. So I talked to Sister Monica the next day, and she invited me to come down and took a look at what they were doing and what their vision would be for the next step. And I talked about what I maybe could bring, and before you knew it, I was talking to my bishop and saying, Bishop, I know that you probably want me to go to a small parish. He had, he had Carmen in mind for me. And I said, but I think it's really important that I give this a go. This, this will complete a circle for me. And I went there, I stayed six years, loved it. Wow. But by the middle of, the, of, of year six, I knew I had finished that chapter and it was time to move on. But I still hear from some of those kids. Really? Yep. Yep. That is so cool. Now they're all in their forties and fifties now, of course. But <laughs> yeah, interestingly, we've been doing this daily online evening prayer since the pandemic began at St. Ben's, right? And it's a little group of eight or ten or twelve people who do a very simple evening prayer. Very often, there's a, one or two of my former girls are there. Wow, that's so cool. Yep. I mean, those are the, the gems. You see the fruit of your labor, I guess, yeah. if you want to say that. And we don't always... You don't always see it. We don't always see that. So you, at year six, you kind of felt it was time to it was time, move on. Time to move on. I, I, I had... I think part of what I did there was I would develop very, very strong connections with, with a couple of kids at any given time. And when they moved on, they would say, I can still talk to you, right? We can still go for coffee, right? And say, yep. And I, so I had, I had these chicks under my wings. 
And I just knew I could not put another one under. But I also knew the only way I could do that work was the way that I've been doing it. So it's like, I, I think I think I just have to complete the chapter. And with some of those kids, I, I will keep in touch. And I have. Um, I've done funerals for a couple of them. Um, but those are very important. That was a very important way of doing that work for me. And I knew I, I filled, filled what I could. Right. And so, um, I had the opportunity at that point to go to St. John's college, the Anglican college at the university of Manitoba as their chaplain Mm -hmm. and the Dean of residence. Wow. So I ran the small, college residents, about 100 students, and and was the chaplain, Mm. which was a great place to be for about three years. And then it was time again. (laughs) I think I remember you saying you also had, before your vision of St. Ben's was created, um, you were at another parish? It was kind of a unique situation. Yeah, so after I left the college, and three years was absolutely right. To be there. And in fact, the person who followed me in that job is now our bishop, Bishop Jeff. He worked in that same position for probably the same length of time, three or four years. Um, But I went from there to a parish church. It was the parish of St. Bede, which shared, since the early 1970s, shared their building with St. Stephen's Lutheran Church. And the two had partnered very comfortably and and it'd been a very good thing for both. St. Bede's had been through a very difficult chapter in its life when a when a, a rector of the parish priest was actually um, convicted of of a, a sexual issue with a, with a boy. Oh dear! So they were kind of heartbroken. They did a long, slow rebuild for about nine years, and that's when I was interviewed to go there, and. Um, I would be the full-time Anglican priest for a parish that clearly still had some wounds. Yes. And I just said, I'm not afraid of those wounds. Mm. When when they become visible, I'll be present and I'll get us the resources. And then the Lutheran church had really shrunk back. They had gone to a half-time pastor. So over the next couple of years, we made the decision to fully amalgamate the two. And uh, it was in 2001, we fully amalgamated an Anglican and Lutheran parish to become the Church of St. Stephen and St. Bede. And we, we used liturgies both from the Lutheran church and from the Anglican church, and we alternated those back and forth. And it, everybody got to know one another more deeply. They lived in the building for years. They even shared worship a lot. Oh, okay. But this was a full amalgamation, which was um, lots of fun and lots of challenges. And is that when, when did the vision for St. Ben's start? Well, interesting. Or what prompted? Was in the year 2000, my former partner, Catherine, and I had been to New York uh, and out to Shelter Island to spend a couple of days with the theologian Robert Ferrer Capon, who appears in my sermons with great regularity. <laughs> And uh, we we sat with Robert and his wife, Valerie, for, I guess it was probably three afternoons in a row and had dinner with them a couple times. Just, it was just the most lovely time. And and it kind of set our imaginations on fire. Mm. And so it was was on the bus back from Shelter Island to New York 
that the two of us began to kind of dream, what would it look like to do mm. uh, a different expression of Anglicanism, but w very much within the, the life of the Anglican Church of Canada? Mm. And I'd heard Robert Weber, the American Anglican theologian, teach on what he called the church's ancient future, mm. that you root really deeply and that gives the, the tree strength to really move in the mm -hmm. wind. Mm -hmm. And, and his, his ideas married with the kind of crazy creativity of Robert Capon mm -hmm. uh, produced a kind of a proposal paper. Mm -hmm. St. Ben's is quite different from the original proposal. Oh, okay. But we took it to Bishop Don, excited as all get out, and he said... Whoa, <laughs> um, I'm going to, I just have to tell you, he'd only been bishop for about a year at this point. He oh, says, right. There are lots of, there's lots of brush fires around that I'm, I'm really having to, to deal with. He said, and you still are, I've only been at St. Bede, Bede's a couple of years. It hadn't fully amalgamated at that point. Oh, okay. And he said, it's, it's too early. Hmm. And I think that the proposal still needs more, more thought, more attention. So I'm going to ask you to take it off the burner and put it at the back of the stove, but don't take it off the stove. Oh, okay. So it was a couple years later, St. Stephen and St. Bede had fully amalgamated. And I thought, you know, to, to sort of build some trust with the Lutheran community, I should go to the annual Lutheran clergy conference. Okay. Uh, I just thought that would be a good thing. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who the guest speaker was. Mm. Didn't matter. I was going to sort of meet people and, and, and right. basically build some trust in me. I arrived and the, the speaker was a woman pastor, mm. probably late 30s at the time, and she'd been the founding pastoral leader of a thing in Minneapolis called Spirit Garage. Mm. And Spirit Garage had been established by a, a big old, very stable, wealthy, downtown Minneapolis Lutheran congregation that realized it didn't have any 20 or 30-year-olds in its community. And so rather than, than, than trying to do something internally, they decided to plant a oh. new expression. And it was crazy because everything she talked about was like, that's what we talked about. <laughs> oh, Oh, that's amazing. Time and again. And and so of uh, the poor woman, I, I'm sure she felt I was a stalker <laughs> because I wanted to sit with her at every meal. And if she, if she was sort of free in the afternoon playing with her kid, I'd sort of go over and say, so uh, tell me about... Uh... <laughs> but it was, it was super fruitful. And in fact, on the second or third afternoon of this conference, it was probably the third afternoon because the conference was over the next day, I took all the notes that I'd taken and I drove from the camp into Kenora, which is probably like a half hour, and I settled myself in at a coffee place and I wrote a proposal. Yeah. Rewrote entirely what we'd done before. Wow. I spent the whole afternoon working on this thing. And, uh, and then when I came back to the city, um, I gave that, I tweaked it up more, but I gave that to anybody who would sit still long enough mm -hmm. to read it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it went to our bishop, and it went to the Lutheran bishop, oh. and it went to the dean of the cathedral, who's sort of like the bishop, second in command to the bishop. 
it went to David Whittacombe, who was then at St. Margaret's Church, and was a friend and a creative guy. It went to Greg Glatz, who at the time was a Baptist minister, and then he became a minister in the United Church at, at Westminster and a CJOB radio host of a program called God Talk. <laughs> Greg just had great energy, and he was in on this conversation, and and then Ren and Ingrid Martins and Larry Campbell, and Steve actually participated by sending a video that we played because he was on the road. Oh, okay. um, there were 17 of us there. At, at at a meeting we ultimately had, okay. and um, and at the end of this this thing, Bishop Don said, "I think the time is right. Go for it." Oh, there's no financial resources, <laughs> but I do have a building you can use, okay. and and it was a recently vacated Anglican church on oh. Valor Road, okay. um, and we met there three times that that spring, and then we met it ringing it. Ren and Ingrid's uh, uh, rec room in North Caldonan, and then in our backyard in St. Boniface, these five gatherings over the spring of 2003. At the end of which, the first one of those gatherings, which was in the little church, there was seven of us. Mm. By the fifth, there was 25 of us. And uh, so at the end of that, that fifth time, we said, now summer's here, people are going on vacation. Let's put this down and just sort of think about it. Get together at the end of August for a retreat day and figure out if we've got a shared future here. And at that point, Steve and Nancy Bell were in a property out near Stonewall, quite a big house and a big property. So we, we met there and by the morning was kind of meant to be quiet and just invited people just to be or think or write, or, or if you need to talk to somebody, just go out for a walk with somebody. The big question is, do we have a future together as a church community? We came back together at lunch and chatter, chatter, chatter. And then the question was, so do we move forward? Yes. Huh. Are you prepared to meet every Sunday night? During the coming year, we have a we have another church that's opened its doors to us, but we would really like if if all of us went, seventeen, eighteen, twenty people, mm -hmm. that's a kind of a little critical mass. And then somebody new comes in, and oh yeah, but if there's three, <laughs> and everybody said no, no, we'll be there, we'll be part of this. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so we need a name, <laughs> <laughs> and we were named that day. How did, how did St. Benedict's come to be the name? So we went through um, just a process of people are tossing out names. And Larry Campbell right. <laughs> says, let's just call it church, just lowercase c-h-u-r-u-r-c-h, all lowercase, just church. Uh, I don't know, Larry. And then somebody else is suggestions, and then no, oh, that sounds too much. That sounds too much like the meeting place or whatever. <laughs> somebody said the table, right. and and it was because because we say we're built around communion, and we wanted to find other opportunities to to share food or coffee or whatever. Wow, okay. The table, I said that would be that. That's getting there. That's getting there. And then uh, Lola Ides, who was ground floor with us, said, what about if we called it like St. Somebody's Table? Mm. Make, combine the ancient uh -huh, with the future. Right. 
And I said, well, if we did that, it's St. Benedict, mm -hmm. because he was a figure who stood on the cusp between the old, the, the Roman Empire with all of its power and stability and so on, and it's a very safe place for the church in many ways from the early 300s up until the 500s. Um, but it was collapsing, and there was this new opening up, and they didn't know what it was. And Benedict came through with this vision for monastic communities that were built around uh, what he called a simple rule mm. um, that emphasized, among other things, hospitality, yeah. uh, let all visitors be greeted as Christ, oh, and, okay. uh, and had this balance between work and prayer and rest and feasting, because Benedictines feast well at Christmas and Easter and so on, but they know how to observe a fast as well. So it's this balance of things in community, and, and, and people kind of went, there it is, St. Benedict's Table, and it stuck. And I, I've heard stories about that it was purposefully lowercase. Is this well, this is then, <laughs> so then Larry comes in. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he says, well, I agree, but I think it should all be lowercase. <laughs> And I, I kind of went, sure, it looks good, and we'll spell saint out in full. And it stuck. Oh. It stuck. And what was it? Does he have a reason behind that? No. He's just he was being, just being Larry. That's interesting. Because yeah. that, that kind of bothered me when I first came here. I was like, why is it all? Because I'm so used to, like, important things being capitalized, yeah. right? So, like, God or... You know. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think that if you, if you ask Larry about it now, he could probably give you some marvelously uh, <laughs> thoughtful response. Okay. But, I'll maybe work on that. Yeah. But uh, but I think at the time he just sort of fixated on lowercase letters, and he thought it looked good. <laughs> and I do like that you did the whole word. Yeah. Saint. Yeah. So for the first year, did they go according to plan? Or? Yeah, we, so I was still full-time as the, um, oh, as, you as were. the pastor okay. at St. Stephen and St. Okay. Bede. And we started meeting every Sunday night at 7 o'clock at St. Albans Church, which was okay. in South Osborne. It's since closed. Um, so I was, I, mornings I was at St. Stephen and St. Bede, evening at St. Benedict's okay. Table. And then most of my... Uh, w work during the course of the week was actually all directed to St. Stephen and St. Bede. Mm. St. Ben's was kind of already sort of sustaining itself, but we hit a point where there was 40 or 45 people, and I began to realize, oh, this is now a community that's going to want some education, you know, some educational opportunities, some social opportunities, some pastoral care, and it's pretty quickly going to be impossible to sustain both. two things yes and so it would have been in the spring of 2004 we just did a straw poll and asked people all things being equal could you just write down on this piece of paper not your name or anything but what you would potentially give as offering in the context of the coming year so we just need to know if we're, are we close? Mm -hmm. um, and it was $45,000 was, was the reply. It's like, yeah, now, now we're close. Okay. Um, so we went back to the diocese and said, we're real close. And diocesan council said, good, but 
there's there's not another twenty thousand dollars to make it work. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are we gonna do? So I arranged to meet with the rector of All Saints at the time, a guy named Jim Draper, who'd done lots of church planting. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the West Coast, he'd been the officer for the Diocese of New Westminster based in Vancouver for church planting and church growth and all this okay. stuff. He knew this stuff. So I took him for lunch and I sort of told him what we'd been doing and what had happened and w- what what did he suggest? What are the options? I, I was just brainstorming with somebody who knew this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he sort of sat back and he said, well, what would you say if I came up with, how much do you need, do you think? I said, I think $20,000 a year. What if I came up with $20,000 a year for you for two years and you moved into All Saints Church rent-free? Wow. And then in year three, if, if you're still going and you, you could start paying some, some rent, mm. how would that be? And I said, uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do that. Yeah, sure. And so he said, let me work on it. Mm. And he actually went, I later found, but he went to um, – a retired and quite elderly university, a Manitoba professor and his daughters, I believe, uh, and said, you know, Professor so-and-so, you've been saying for years that when you die, mm. there's going to be a sizable inheritance left to All Saints Church. Mm-hmm. So how would you like to see it put to work? Wow. And he explained right. the, the sort of the project in, in summary, and this fellow did it. He gave... Twenty thousand dollars in two thousand and four, and again in two thousand and five. And at the end of our two years, we had we had kind of grown and flourished, and with seventy people or eighty people or whatever in church on Sunday nights. And we looked at our capacity to begin paying rent to all saints, thousand dollars a month. And yep, we can do that. And what have we got in the bank after two years? Forty thousand dollars. Wow. So the money that All Saints had arranged to give us through this retired professor was actually still intact. Mm. And so that was that was a, a safety cushion. Mm. Wow. But we were right at the edge. Yeah. If we hadn't had that money, our bank account would have been zero. <laughs> so we owe a huge debt to, I was gonna to say All Saints. Yeah. And uh, you know, they over the years they are they've been very welcoming to us and occasionally they sort of forget that we exist and <laughs> that's okay but mm. uh, but working certainly now with rob yeah as the rector of all saints it's kind of like oh yeah like we just owe a huge debt to you guys you know this right yeah <laughs> well and i like that he's participated in yep. st ben's as well that's been really cool yeah so so what would you say are some of the highlights of your ministry and I'm, and I'm assuming, but St. Benedict's might be one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely a, it's absolutely a, a, mm-hmm. a high highlight, yes. high point, and has been, um, you know, some certainly some bumps along the way, but has been a, a, a remarkably yes. good ride <laughs> for now almost 20 years. It is 20 if you include the, you know, 2003 period of You're getting right. ourselves That's organized. Because right, yeah. it's exactly... Uh, oh, this time of yeah, yeah, exactly 20 years ago that we started those Sunday night gatherings. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. That's- so that's, abs- this has been a, this has been a, a, a delight. 
And do you remember the first the first date that you met? Well, I not I don't have it offhand, but it would have been <laughs> I'd imagine the first Sunday in uh, in May two thousand and three. And we met every second Sunday oh, for five. That, okay. Well, that is um, yeah. May, what is it today? 24? Gosh, we're more than 20 years old now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so certain, certainly the whole St. Ben's adventure has yes. been, a, been a, a, a huge high point. Uh, in different ways, I mean, there's been stuff that I've loved about St. Paul's for Gary. Mm. And about being able to go back to Marymount and close right. that chapter, and about being at the college, and about St. Stephen and St. Bede. Right. I still have I've considerable warmth and affection for, for those folks still. I've been back a few times yeah. over the years, and I'm actually doing a, a funeral service for somebody who I knew quite well there. Um, the family reached out to me and said, would you do this? Just simple graveside interment. But yeah, yeah. So there's there's warmth and connections all the way along. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's I was just thinking the same thing that there's probably something about each cuz you felt it just seemed like timely for each time you moved moved yep. on. And how are you feeling about leaving full-time ministry and leaving your legacy at St. Benedict's? Well, I, I the thing that I had to discern was when when would the time be right? Right. Because you know, I'm 62 and a half. So 65 is coming one way or the other. Right. Um, but it was last year during Easter that I actually went and spent a few days with Ren and Ingrid Martins. They, they're founding ground floor people right. for St. Ben's. And they live now in Cochrane, Alberta, with a view overlooking the mountains and remarkably good walking trails. And Ren has been... Um, um, kind of a wise voice along the way for me. And we, we ended up exchanging emails about what I might do in retirement. Uh, and he's always got all kinds of ideas. <laughs> but And good ideas. But, but he said, you know, you should come. Let's spend a couple days. So I went last, last year, so Easter... 2023 or 2022 Easter season. And uh, we would go for a long walk every afternoon and just talk things through and talk things through and talk things through. And I realized at that point that I could either push to 65 right. and, and drain the gas tank, mm. or I could look at a retirement during 2023 still have gas in the tank, mm -hmm. breathe slowly for a bit, and then engage some of these other possibilities. Right. And, uh, but do it on, on, on my time. Mm -hmm. And without, see, I love, I, I, I love the church. I love people. Mm -hmm. I love leading liturgy. I love preaching. Mm -hmm. I am drained dry of anything that looks like administration. Um, you know, whether it's diocesan or in-house, bless them. We have a great group who sit <laughs> on the kitchen table, and we have a great group, who our little HR committee, and I just, I just ran out of gas now, and I didn't 10 years ago or five years ago. 
But I just find that, okay, no. And Ren said, that's absolutely a sign that you're shifting. So I decided, yeah, no, this, the time is right. Yeah, time is right. And I kind of remember you saying once in our small wellness group that Ren had said, one year during COVID is like two. Yeah. And that that increases, increased your sort of feeling of yeah. being done. It's true. And if you, if, you, if you make those two years, put those in place, those extra two years, yeah. and I'm almost 65. Yeah, exactly. But his point was, for some people, their lives, well, everybody was challenged by it, the shutdowns well, and all that stuff. Of course, yeah. But some people, their, 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 their day-to-day life or their day-to-day employment actually didn't change all that much. Right. And some of us, oh gosh, when I think about how many times mm-hmm. we had to shift and change and pivot and do this yes. and change that and do this and try that again. And when we first shut down, we thought we were shutting down for five weeks. That's right. Yes. Huh. <laughs> and all the stuff we had to learn right. and all the times we had to shift that and change that all the worries about how people were doing yes i can imagine um and then people who just kind of faded away over mm-hmm. pandemic time and i've tried to to contact and stay in touch but it's right. still and there's it's not a sense that oh i'm bearing this burden right. because as if it's kind of my fault right, right. But there is a sense in which you bear some weight when people you know and love and have seen really actively involved just kind of dissolve to the sides. So what can I ask what some of your plans for retirement are? Well, I'm definitely going to write. Um, okay. um, you know, I, I have a couple of manuscripts that have been started and then stalled for different reasons um but there's there's yeah there's things i did and this is not committing to doing it now (laughs) but twice over the years here when the this the cycle of stories about david come up it's in the summertime Mm -hmm. and you read um from uh first and second samuel in chunks all the way through from the, like the middle of June till September. That's the Old Testament reading. Okay. And uh, twice over the years, I just took hold of that and I would preach every week mm. on those stories. And I just found them profoundly moving. Um, I read pretty deeply in the, in the commentaries. Oh. And uh, it was just... It just got me into the character of, of David in all of his complexities. Mm. So it, it, it was just occurred to me yesterday that I'd thought before about revisiting those sermons and trying to, to tie it into a longer piece of work. Mm. But it, that would also involve, and I'd have to figure out, so do I, do I actually kind of hold intact a version of these eight sermons, and then bridge them with all the material that comes in between. Right, okay. Because there's lots of material that comes Uh, in between. Okay. Um, But they hit some of the most important high points, including the difficult stuff. Like you read the the David and Bathsheba. Right, right, exactly. you you read about the capture of Jerusalem in which um, David is said to send in his soldiers with specific evidence to kill the lame because David 
hates the lame. I mean, it's a pretty brutal text. But two chapters later, David takes into his household Mephibosheth, Saul's son, who is lame. Wow. There's a beautiful, there's something in there. So I, I ah. so I'm going to, I think, I think that may be the first one I have to dig into wow. is, is, is writing that sort You're of. You're making me want to read it. Now. Oh, good. There. <laughs> so. so there's writing for sure. Yes. Um, there'll be some travel for sure. Good. Uh, Ren swears that signpost. So Steve Bell's uh-huh. company has got, we'll have some things that I can do. <laughs> uh, we'll see, you know, I, I like it's not for me, retiring is definitely not stopping doing things and just fishing and golfing because I like neither. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to do things that, that give me life mm-hmm. and that, and for me, many of the things that give me life are things that also are meant to be life giving, like directed outward. Mm, so. Right. Well, and I think you mentioned to me before that priests don't retire. Yeah, no. You're always, You're always a, priest. a priest. And yeah. just not in full-time yeah. ministry. Yeah. I've been quite thrilled that the committee sent out this survey yeah. and that we're in, the congregation is involved in this. Because I think most people here will miss you. And so I think it's really good that they're asking us to share our feelings and our voice. Because for me, coming to St. Ben's, I've been here basically since November 2019. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) And so I didn't really, I mean, I felt connected. I think the groups helped when I first joined, like the wellness group, and I joined some book groups during the pandemic. So I did make, you know, get to know people. But it's only since we started coming back that I have really felt more part of St. Ben's and getting, getting to know people better. And I think I've told you this before, that this has been an instrumental piece in my spiritual life yeah. coming here. Just the first place that I felt really safe and comfortable to, to be. Mm. Uh, I'm deeply appreciative of the work you've done creating St. Ben's as a, as a place that's sort of, like you say, it's an alternative type Mm-hmm. place i i don't i don't want to assume other people feel like me but that have had trouble with yes. church yeah. and not that i don't have my faith but it's church that's yeah. been the problem yeah so um that's meant a lot to me so yeah thank you so thank you for this this has been wonderful it's been fun yes. thanks thanks for uh thanks for making the time to do it with me <laughs> you're welcome it was a pleasure thank, thank you. you we hope you enjoyed this conversation There's more of this kind of stuff coming in the next few months as we round our 20th year and look forward to all sorts of new chapters. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to help support the ministry of St. Benedict's Table, we thank you humbly. You can do so by going to our website and hitting the donate button on the top right-hand corner of the page. Until next time, God bless.